This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas makes socks that are comfortable and look great for every occasion with a wide variety of options. To get 20% off your first purchase, visit bombas.com slash nomeat. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is also brought to you by Hydrant. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code NOMEAT at checkout. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. So, Matt, I heard you got your first injury from a fight the other day. <laughs> <laughs> it actually wouldn't be my first. Uh, because oh. last, time, last time when I was doing Muay Thai, I remember I got the big rib. Uh, oh, rib, that's rib right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to feel pretty, you know, pretty cool that you uh, hurt your foot getting into a fight. Well, I felt a little bit cool about the rib injury because someone kicked me. And, and it was, I mean, my f- not being good at pad holding that caused the rib injury. At least that one, someone kicked me. This one, I kicked somebody's elbow. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't have good uh, aim. <laughs> kick. So I missed the pad entirely, kicked his uh-huh. elbow. And Did you break so, his elbow? No, but of course I felt bad for that. But I have a feeling it hurt my foot way worse. It just, it just, I connect that the the corner between the top of your foot and your bottom of your leg, uh, just hit right on his elbow and just right away. It just, it wasn't good. So it swelled, it swelled up yesterday. Uh, put on some Bomba socks and a nice, uh, a nice freezer wrap thing that I have that always stays yep. in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually okay today. Drank some tart cherry juice and uh, just kind of intriguing it's uh, not a big injury but kind of funny just because it, it i'm just not very good at uh fighting <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun i'm having a great time with it and uh it's just part of it i don't know i seem to always get hurt in it um or I, not that i always get hurt it's just a constant soreness and i'm just when i was doing it a year ago and when i'm back at it now it's like as soon as i get started again it's like things are hurting and, and for me it's mostly the legs like uh i still don't know exactly what it is but like the it band like upper leg on the outside Mm -hmm. uh that up into my hips it gets so tight when i try to do kicks and uh i don't know i just like like i'm just so much less flexible in that area than than almost like no one else has the problem which is weird people of all different shapes sizes ages um Hmm. i have like the least mobile hips of anyone so i have been really hammering the uh the supple leopard book the becoming a supple leopard by kelly starrett we talked Mm -hmm. about it a little bit reading usually does a good thing for the hips yep you said reading? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been, I don't mean reading. I actually have the, that's what, that was the problem with that book. So I we talked about the book about a year ago. Right. Uh, and I was all into it. And it's like it's like a massive, I don't know if it's 500 pages. And, and he says in the beginning, he's like, read this first section before you do anything. And it's like 200 pages. Or <laughs> Maybe I'm exaggerating. But it's just, it's just a ton of dense material. And so uh-huh. I started and then I just gave up. Um, but so now, now that I'm back to Muay Thai, I said... Screw that! Not reading any of it. I'm just going to the workouts at the end, or to the to the mobilities or mobilizations at the end, and just kind of following the prescriptions for all the different upper leg areas. Um, and I've been doing that every night. And you know, so I have this I have this New Year's thing where I'm I'm I get points every time I like watch a movie or enjoy myself, mm-hmm. right? And some and enjoy myself meaning just kind of not not have to do something productive where I'm learning. I, I get points for that too. But like, if I just play a game or or uh, watch a movie, you know, that's that's a good thing. So now every night I've been uh, I've been doing this stuff for like 
it's supposed to be only 20, 30 minutes, but it turns into like an hour and a half because I watch a whole movie, uh, which is which is kind of good, kind of bad. But I've watched, knocked out some Back to the Futures. Oh, and, nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it has actually worked out quite well. I really have, have been enjoying that uh, that hour to two hours in the evening. <laughs> I bet. I bet. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, it's really painful. That's why I put on the movie because it's just like, uh-huh. you know, foam rolling type stuff and, or like lacrosse ball rolling. It's it's not pleasant. But starts to, it's, I'm at the point now where it's beginning to not be terrible uh, and, and starts to feel like massage. Huh. My, you know, uh, I think you know this. My stepbrother is... Uh, in the circus? I don't Do think that? I did know that. Yeah. So not like um, three-ring circus, but like like a circus ole kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And so he's a, he's a juggler and then like a hand-to-hand where you like lift people up and throw them up in the air and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but he, back when he was like, before he went off to circus school and um, be, actually joined uh, a troupe, uh, he would just spend like an hour to two every single night, kind of like what you're talking about, just doing stretches. Hmm. He would do all of his workout stuff throughout the day. And then at night he would just spend so much time doing stretches in it. Um, I mean, you could, over the years, you could just see how, what a difference it made for him. Oh yeah. In terms of mobility. Yeah. Mobility and just kind of, you know, control of his body. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it was was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. So keep it up. That's what I'm saying. Keep it up and you'll be, you'll be kicking high kicks. You'll be breaking your foot on people's faces next yeah. time. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> no, yes. just but anyway, uh, I do recommend the book if you're if you're like, I don't know. I've never just never found flexibility interesting or stretching interesting, and I just have not ever done it for any period of time. Uh, somehow, when it's called mobility, it's like it seems cool to me, and it's mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's really any different. I, I think there's a difference between mobility and stretching because uh, this is all very different from what I usually do. Uh, you know. Yes. We have what? a great mobility post on Nomad Athlete. Yeah, I know we do. Um, Let's go back and read that. Uh, well, let me see what it's called. Move Like a Ninja, The Beginner's Guide to Developing Mobile Joints and Improved Performance by Luke Jones. Mm-hmm. It's really good. He he spent a ton of time on putting this program together and a bunch of different stretches and movements and things, videos. Perfect. It's pretty cool. So, so check it out. Want, if you want to buy that book or read 500 pages, then... Uh... Mm-hmm. You can go read our blog post. Nomeatathlete.com slash mobility. Cool. Oh, man. I need to revisit this post. I, I just, I remember being so excited about this one when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, what else is new? That's it. That's it? That's all you got? That really is all that is new for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so today we're going to be talking about running, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Been a while. We haven't done that in a while. No, we haven't. And uh, you actually came up with this idea, or uh, you, you, it was your topic idea, but it fits perfectly because yesterday I was uh, recording an episode of the Strength Running Podcast with Jason Fitzgerald. Ah, okay. And we were talking about um, kind of a little bit about my running history and um, how I, you know, how my running has developed over the years. And uh, we we're, I kind of had forgotten that this is what happened, but... Um, it is what happened is, is I actually got a lot faster when I started running ultra marathons than when I was training for, for regular marathons, mm-hmm. road marathons. Okay. Um, and I think it was because of the way I switched up the types of running that I was doing. I went from, um, a traditional, uh, road running program, road marathon program 
that did ha- incorporate quite a bit of speed work and all kinds of other things, but I was so new to it that I wasn't, I wasn't having a lot of variation in the types of running that I was doing. Every run was pretty much as hard as I could do it. Um, you know, sometimes it was around a track and sometimes it was down the block, but it was pretty much always harder than it should have been. And it wasn't until I started training for an ultra marathon and I started slowing down and increasing volume uh, and lowering intensity that I actually started getting faster. And I think that actually transitions pretty well into today's episode um, because we're going to be talking about running workouts and the different types of um, workouts that you can do and how some of them are fast and maybe some of them are slow. Uh, And I think, uh, I don't know, that variation is, is what actually made me a much, much stronger runner not just being able to run longer with an ultra, but also run faster when I was on the street. Yeah, I think uh, that is super important, points to the value of, of, you know, really mixing up the training you're doing. In in the simplest case, simpler even than that, uh, it's just so many runners do the exact same run every day. And you said that you were yeah. not, you were doing some different things with marathon training. Um, but so like for, for probably the majority of runners, um, you know, the, the big change is stop doing the exact same 30 or 45 minute run at the exact same pace. That's like sort of hard, but not that hard. Uh, you know, stop doing that every day and, and start doing different things where, where you're, you know, forcing stress and adaptation, uh, hard runs one day, easy runs the next day. And, and, you know, even change up within that. Uh, but I think that's, that's lesson. Like it's not for everybody, but if, you know, if you just, if you just need that, that run I just described, uh, mm-hmm. for your mental well-being, and that's just like your therapy that you just go do every day, then fine. But if you're trying to make the most progress you can uh, towards a race goal or some sort of time goal or a distance goal or whatever, um, I, I mean, in almost all cases, you're going to be better off varying the way you do things than doing the same run every day. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about eight running workouts. This is uh, you know, kind of being pulled a little bit from a blog post, also called eight running workouts, eight common running workouts. So nomadathlete.com slash running dash workouts. And today we're going to go over kind of an overview of uh, what those workouts would look like, but then the specifics as to like how you could run and and how you could adapt them into your ability and your training. Um, You might, you probably want to go to the, to the blog post and get those specifics, but um, hopefully this will be kind of a fun little discussion on, on running, which uh, I'm excited about. But before we do, why don't we, why don't we, Welcome back, an old sponsor that I'm really excited to have back. Let's do that. This episode of Nomi Nothing Radio is brought to you by Bombas and their comfortable socks. Doug, how often do you think about socks? You know, until recently, not very often. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you have a reason to. Bombas is changing the game with comfortable socks made from super soft, natural cotton. And every pair comes with art support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. With a variety of styles, Bombas look great in the gym, at the office, or on the town, or when you're icing a broken foot from Muay Thai. And for every Bombas purchase you make, they'll donate a pair to someone in need. This is no exaggeration. Bombas have taken over my running sock collection. Um, mm-hmm. I asked for more for Christmas, and they are absolutely my go-to for pretty, for pretty much every run. I like the like high, uh, you know, above the ankle socks. So. Yep. Virginia Beach style, the Virginia Virginia Beach style socks, um, and they're just like they're so good for for trail running. They're I mean, or road running, and uh, they're really comfortable. I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of Bombas. Yeah, you said it uh, in in the last spurt of ads that they did with us. Um, 
that you always wear the bombas first, and I have noticed that that's exactly true for me. That mm-hmm. you know, do the laundry, fill up the sock drawer with clean stuff, and then I just go through my three bombas pairs first. They're just done, and then I'm then I'm stuck with the bad ones again. <laughs> well, that's why you got to get three more, like what I did, or rewear, or rewear. There you go. <laughs> wear them in the shower. Yeah, that's your little there trick. You go. <laughs> to get twenty percent off your first purchase of bombas, go to bombas.com slash no meat. That's b o m b a s dot com slash no meat for twenty percent off. All right, let's let's hit those running workouts. All right, let's do it. And we're gonna try to be sort of quick, right? We're gonna we're, we're yeah in the new new style here. We're trying to be quick. We've got this <laughs> long blog post. You can go get all the details there, like we said. Um, very popular blog post as well, which is why I thought of the topic. Hey. Um. So yeah. So let's let's uh let's start checking off the eight workouts that exist. All right. The first one is one that I would say most people don't actually consider a workout, but I think it should be because it should encompass at least, or, or encompass, I don't know if that's the right word, should uh, be included in at least comprise two of your runs per week if you're running, say, five times a week, four or five times a week. And that's yeah. the easy run. I love the easy run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> Not just because it's easy. I mean, it's boring. I don't love that part of it, but I, I think it's so, so important for training. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and you know, most people, so tell us what an easy run is, because I think most people don't, when they think of an easy run, they're not actually running an easy run. So the easy run, um, yes, I think you're right. I don't know. I mean, there are different ways you can measure it. You can do a heart range. I've always thought of it as under 70% of your max heart rate, but of course, you know, you can calculate heart rate different ways. So really for me, like the conversational pace cue is a really good mm-hmm. one uh can you could you carry on a conversation like just keep you know keep talking not not a quick sentence or a quick paragraph but just talking uh really without any difficulty at this pace uh let's see there's also like you can look at more like physiological cues like does your mouth kind of your mouth starts to drop open and like you start to take in more oxygen just naturally um once you're out of this zone so it's, it's just a really easy zone it's it's the one for me where like you're kind of worried about people passing you and seeing you going so slowly because it kind of looks ridiculous uh it feels like you're barely not walking as soon as you hit a hill you know if you don't realize it and you don't you don't deliberately slow down because you're on your hill you're going to go out of easy pace so it's just it's just slower than you think uh, which is why heart rate monitor is good because if you if you do one wear one for a while and and start to sense where it is then then eventually you don't need that monitor anymore mm-hmm. but uh yeah easy very easy very easy. And, and right, like you said, conversational means that you can, you can have a full conversation, a full sentence, maybe even a paragraph without, mm-hmm. without worrying about it. I like to, uh, I like to also whistle. If I can, if I can, if I can whistle while I'm running, then I know I'm in easy pace. Ah, nice. I can't whistle at all. So that wouldn't, wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, though, do you think the easy run is useful as a way to increase your mileage without putting additional stress on your body is it is that the extent of its use or do you think it's useful itself as a recovery tool like like are you better as far as recovery let's say you're doing three hard workouts a week will you be feeling better for those workouts if you actually do easy runs in between them yes i i think both i think Mm -hmm. uh it's it's a great active recovery tool it you know moves the body fleshes out the system um, it also, you know, in general, you're going to be a better runner and you're going to be able to, to do better on your speed workouts when you have more miles under your belt 
uh, and it's a good way, easy, low stress way to add more mileage to your to your routine. So I think that that it's both. It's both a, a recovery tool, but it's also a, a strength building tool. Um, you know, as a runner, that then allows you to to perform better on those harder workouts. So uh, you know, I think you know if if you're only unless you're already running at least five times a week um, or already doing something like that, then uh, it's better, oftentimes better to do an easy run than to, to not do anything at all. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, when I did the run less, run faster program a long time ago during my Boston qualifying journey, uh, I was all excited. Their whole, their whole thing was that you don't want to waste any miles, don't want to get any extra miles on your legs um, doing this silly easy run when, you know, instead you could, you could, get sort of the same aerobic benefit by doing your cross training as your easy workout. So do some biking or swimming or something uh, and do those really easy. But when I did those, I, just, I got injured very quickly. Not, mm-hmm. not to say that the program caused that, but I just had this sense that like I was just missing that, that thing that would get me ready for the next hard run, which for me was the easy run. So I, I came back to doing the easy run, still use a lot of the workouts from that program, but um, I just felt I, I just found I needed that, that easy run. I really do think it's important. And like I said, boring. This is the run for me when you listen to a podcast uh, because it's just, I don't know, it's just not that fun. And you're just out there and you're trying hard to not speed up too much. So that's when I try to like get something else done. Yeah. Well, it's good. All right. Let's move on to the tempo run. Okay. This is my favorite workout for, for, yeah, this is, this is pretty much the only workout that I do with any regularity for ultramarathons. Okay. Um, like speed workout, I mean. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I really like the tempo pace. Like it's a really comfortable pace for me. So the tempo pace is, is around 85 to 90% of your max heart rate. Um, you know, people call it your 10K pace. So like what you would, if you're racing a 10K as hard as you can, uh-huh. uh, that's around what your tempo pace would be. Um, you know, so basically you don't want to be a, like a tempo pace. If you can hold a tempo pace for over an hour, an hour and a half or something like that, then that's not your tempo pace. Yeah, before right? you go more than 10K with it, then you then you didn't right. do a tempo pace. Exactly, right. Um, yeah. So I, I just think that that's a really comfortable, hard pace for me. And so, so I kind of, I really like this. And, and the way I incorporate it into workouts is usually once a week, I'll, I'll have some speed surges into a run, add speed surges into a run. So um, say I'm going out for an hour, uh, after maybe 15 minutes of, of some easy warm up, I'll do like five to eight minutes on and then three to five minutes off. Mm, so okay. five to eight minutes on tempo and then just kind of drop back for a little bit. So then I'm not, I'm not worried about like how much distance I'm covering at that tempo pace or, or, you know, trying to do mile splits or half mile splits or anything like that. Just, you know, five or 10 minutes on five to eight minutes on hmm. and then three to five minutes off. You know, I like the off idea, having some off time, because, again, during that run less, run faster thing, which is the only time I really did serious tempo runs, the way that I started to kind of categorize tempo runs in my head was that it was the pace at which after about three miles, I would really want to quit doing it. And I'd I'd say, I can make it one more mile, but I'm not going to be able to make it the whole rest of this workout, because the workout might be five or six. And I would get to the end of another mile and say, okay, I can do just one more. And then I could do just one more. And like I, I could always just barely do a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but always after those first couple of miles at that pace, like you kind of want to stop because it, you right. said it's comfortable and it is called comfortably difficult. Uh, 
it was always it was always difficult, right? Like you do a few miles well, and then sure. you're kind of ready right. to take a break. So I like that there are breaks built in because that will that will keep you doing it. Like I was really motivated at that time, so I think that's why I always said, "Well, I can do that one more mile and then do one more mile after that." Well, but when I say it's comfortable, nice. I mean it's obviously not comfortable for that long because if you know if it, if you're going as hard as you can for a 10k, you know you're going to yeah. be really right. hurting at the end of that 10k, right? right. Like, um, you know, so it's just it's comfortable in these kind of smaller smaller chunks. Uh, and, and that's what I really like. So, you know, sometimes I'll go all the way up to like 15 minutes or something like that. Do like 15 minutes on and five to or eight to 10 minutes off kind of thing. Usually you do like half of whatever you do on, you, you go off. Um, if you're doing a kind of tempo repeat workout like that. Uh, but tempo workouts are great for increasing your lactic threshold. Um, you know, they just, they build endurance, they build speed and, uh, and for someone who's doing like ultras or, or longer stuff like that, where you don't need like super quick turnover, but you need that endurance, you need a little bit more strength and, and speed and, and, um, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good workout for that. Cool. Um, yeah. What's next? The progression workout. This is another good one. Prize. one. <laughs> the proggy workout yes that's right um this is this is one i like to give to coaching clients a lot because i think it's kind of fun okay um and it's pretty simple so say you take a 45 minute run divide it up into as many segments as you want but typically you might do like three 15 minute segments you start super easy for that first 15 minute go to a more moderate uh, something maybe slightly less than a tempo pace for the next 15 minutes and then uh, fast finish that last 15 minutes where you're really going about as hard as you can for those for those final 15 minutes. And um, what I like about this is that it, you know, oftentimes when we run, we start out faster and then we kind of slow down towards the end of it because right. we get tired. Right. And this reverses that. So it kind of teaches you how to run harder later in the run. And then on race day and things like that, you you know how to kind of tap into that that energy and that strength to, mm-hmm. you know, to finish hard. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I think it's a, it's a really fun and it's kind of a good way, good workout. It's a good way to mix things up. I've not done too many of these, but I do remember Jason Fitzgerald, uh, talking about them as good, uh, even in a long run to do one as a progressive mm-hmm. thing. So you might actually finish, you know, do on a, on a difficult long run day, given, I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't be an easy long run. Um, but if you could, you could even, be increasing your pace throughout a long one. And I think that's that's a different idea. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big finish of uh, I'm big finish. I'm a big fan of the fast finish long run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, let me just check and make sure it's not a, one of the workouts here. <laughs> well, you, you say fast finish, but you said 45 minutes, and this is in the blog post. Okay, so 45 minutes is as long as it gets. Um, yeah, like a fast finish long run. Like uh, for example, so um, actually, just last weekend, one a coaching client ran a 50 miler and we, and he has always really faded during the last, you know, five to 10 miles, just like really faded. And, and we worked very hard on all of his long runs to, to kind of make them progression runs to have kind of where the last five miles were always a bit, a step up from, from what he'd been doing the rest of the run. And, uh, and sure enough, he tapped into something primal deep inside him during that 50 miler last weekend and uh just gutted out something that was really incredible it was fastest miles of the day wow. um passed a couple people came in uh first masters which was really cool he was really stoked on that and like yeah i don't know just uh that ability and what you can teach yourself when you're doing that in training is that you have that in you and you you 
you teach your legs how to how to figure out how to make that happen. Um, and it worked for him, and and I'm a big fan of it. I think it's good. Well, that's cool. I never really thought about the the mental aspect of you know teaching yourself that you can go hard at the end of a workout mm-hmm. uh, or the end of a race. So that's that's super valuable. I also like that uh, that especially in a longer workout, it it probably um, reverses the the tendency for your form to get worse and worse as the run goes on. Um, because if you're starting out easy, you know, then, then your form will be good in, in the easy beginning of the run. That should be no problem. Um, mm-hmm. but I think, I think with most, with most long runs, as your pace slows, you know, as the run goes on, your form just goes with it. Uh, and right. then it turns into this kind of limp thing at the end. And you're probably doing a lot of, a lot of damage, uh, in different ways at that point. So I think it, and it's very, I think it's very hard to run kind of hard with bad form. Uh, I think when you're, when you're having to push harder, I think a lot of your, your system sort of engage a little bit better and, and you'll just, you'll just maintain better form. So I like it for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's good. I think you're spot on on that. All right. We have this next one, which has been the focus of my training for the last, um, the last few weeks. Uh, you know, I said, I, I like to do tempo, but really this is probably the one I'm doing the most right now, at least in the past month. But before we do that, why don't we thank a brand new sponsor? Ooh. To like that. Like Radio. Yeah. How can anyone tune out after that? <laughs> this episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hydrant. Matt, did you know that 75% of us are walking around every day chronically dehydrated? That's why I'm so big on drinking water in the morning. As you know, we've talked about that I a lot recently. That. Yeah. Well, Hydrant is here to help. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets. You mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day long. Hydrant isn't just a flavoring, but a formula developed by Oxford scientists to provide a perfectly balanced, efficient hydration, and it tastes great too. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code NOMEAT at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code NOMEAT for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, promo code NOMEAT. Got it? Drinkhydrant.com, promo code NOMEAT. Drinkhydrant.com, promo code NOMEAT. <laughs> let's keep saying it. Yeah, let's just keep going. All right. Um, all right, you ready to know what I've been working on recently? That was quite a teaser you left us with. I know. Well, as you know, as the podcast knows, I'm training for Hellbender again this year. Uh-huh. And your training has not been not been going so well. Are you? Uh, you picked it up? I'm trying. I had okay. a really solid long run last week, and um, yeah, I'm trying. I've been Good. doing. I've been the past like well, I guess I should say two weeks in particular. I've switched most of my runs to be focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's elevation gain, that's hills, mm. uh, up and down. Uh, and so this fourth workout is uh, hill workouts, which uh, is commonly referred to as speed work in disguise. Mm-hmm. I think every, everyone knows that. No. <laughs> I, I don't know if they do, I, and I think it's true. People, people say I think people know the saying, uh, but I actually believe that. No, I do too, yeah. Yeah, because... So even though you might not be going that fast up a hill, if you're running up a hill, um, it, it it does a lot of the same stuff, builds a lot of the same strength, hits a lot of the same muscles, really focuses on your form, which is really important. Um, and, uh, be, you know, to efficiently run up a hill, you have to have good form. You have to be moving your arms. You have to be, um, you know, staying upright. And uh, that's all the stuff that speed work does as well. But now you can do it on a hill and not have to go as fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
but no, hill, uh, hill works are, are tough, of course, but they, um, you know, they're really great at building that explosive strength and kind of beating up the quads in a way that, uh, that even other speed work does not. So I've been doing a lot of hills. I've been doing a lot of hiking, uh, uphills and then a lot of powering downhills. Cause I think one thing that, uh, a lot of runners neglect is the downhill running, mm-hmm. uh, which if, if you're running a flat race, it doesn't really matter. But if you are running a hill or a race with a lot of elevation gain and descent, then, uh, kind of getting that, you know, che- teaching your legs how to handle the downhill when you, you know, when it feels easy, but you start running fast and by the end of the race, your legs are shot because you've been going too hard on the downs. I think teaching yourself how to do that, uh, is, is pretty crucial. So, yeah, um, that's very important. I think a lot of people and me included, uh, will do the hill runs in their training and then they'll treat, they'll treat the downhill part of their hill workout as their rest period when they're not trying mm-hmm. to go at all fast, not trying to take advantage of a downhill. They're just, they're just recovering. Uh, and then race day shows up and suddenly downhills are an opportunity and you start bombing down them and then you realize you're not prepared for that at all. And then, you know, 20, maybe not 20, two hours later, you're, you're paying the price. Absolutely. So you can, you can do that by having downhill workout days where you're actually, you know, jogging the up and that's not part of the workout and your workout is actually downhill. Mm-hmm. Or you can do up and down, you know, where you're going hard up, hard down, and then taking an actual like break rest period at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole hill up and down is the workout. You could go to a ski mountain and take the, uh, take the lift up the hill. You know, I, I think one of the books, was it Iron <laughs> Far or was it one of the other <laughs> no, ultra marathon books? I don't know, but someone... Actually, actually recommended doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Wow. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like during the summer when they, you know, they open the lifts up for yeah. like, right. like mountain bikers and stuff. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Well, I love a nice hill workout. Um, in fact, one of my favorite kinds, well, the days when you don't feel like doing anything, doing running at all, uh, get outside for a, for a, you know, run uphill hard for three minutes and then downhill easy for five minutes, which is exactly the issue we talked about. But, uh, mm-hmm. for me, I can, I can wrap my brain around that workout when I can't get around the idea of, you know, running three miles from my house and then three miles back, uh, right. just staying close by just up and down the hill for me, I can do that. So I, I like it, it a lot. Yeah. And it's a great, you know, it, I, yeah, I kind of missed the very first part of your saying because I was reading the next one, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a great, uh, you know, if you only have 20 minutes, you know, and you don't like, you really don't have any time for what would feel like a substantial run, just go out and run hills for a couple minutes. And, uh, that's way better than doing nothing. And it's actually going to be a pretty good workout. Mm-hmm. Good. Is that what you said? Did I just sort repeat of. what you said? I said I can, I said I can wrap my head around Okay. Doing that when I can't imagine just a, a run that's going to take a longer amount of time and mm. get far from my house and all that. I gotcha. Black bears and all that. Oh, oh. the black bears. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's next? Interval workout. Mm. Which is a great workout. Yes. Painful. So we're, we're talking here about intervals typically on a track or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really some of the other stuff you know we've referred to here. Like the type of chimpo runs I was referring to could be considered intervals because they are intervals. Um, but really here, I think we're going to be talking about what you would do around a track. Okay. Right? And that's important. I mean, I think, I think if you are used to trying to do interval workouts on a non-track, um, you know, normal terrain, you're probably working harder than you, than you realize just with the slight variations, the up and down hills. Uh, when you should get on a track and you can, you can, 
calibrate everything and you you know it's going to be flat you know it's exactly the same distance every time i think i'm always surprised at how well i can do on a track compared to you mm. know trying to do the same mm-hmm. what i think is the same difficulty of workout out on a regular route yeah and i mean these are designed to hurt for yeah, the most part right. you know these are designed to be your toughest hardest workouts of the week if you're marathon training or half marathon training or, or really anything that's requiring much speed where you're hitting up a track uh, they can be tough. So examples would be what? Uh, let's see. Uh, we, we can run through some of these real quick, but like Yasso 800s, which is a very common workout uh, for marathon runners, or at least it was at one point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of declining. Um, but where you're doing, you know, say, I think the traditional, the traditional workout is 10 800-meter laps. Um, which is about a half mile. Which is about a half mile, mm-hmm. so two laps around a traditional track. Yep. Right. Um, then you're basically going all out for those, you know, as fast as you can for 800 meters. And then what are you doing in between? You have light jog on this post. I've heard, oh yeah, for the same amount of time. Okay. So if it takes you three minutes or, or three minutes and thirty seconds to get around that first 800, uh, then you'll spend that long resting, kind of running mm-hmm. back and forth, and then at least for me on a track, uh, running back and forth so you can be at the same starting spot. Uh, mm-hmm in three minutes and 30 seconds later and then do it again. Yeah. And you know, we should note that that with interval workouts, that recovery period is, is really, really important. Yes. Um, you know, both knowing how long to recover and doing that, but, but, you know, but taking the full recovery, not trying to rush the workout, anything like that, because that it's designed to give yourself enough rest to then be able to hit the next interval as hard as, you know, as hard as possible. And of course, throughout the workout, it's going to get harder and harder. Um, but, uh, you know, that's part of what you're, what you're trying to do. <laughs> Definitely. If you're not recovering for the full time or slow enough, um, you know, you're, you're, you're pushing what's supposed to, a workout that's supposed to be kind of a microcosm of the, of the really hard followed by really easy thing that we talked about during your week. Um, if, if you, I mean, you don't want to turn your track into something that is more or less the same intensity the entire time or where you feel the same all the whole time right? because you just finished running hard you're breathing heavy during your little short rest and then you're breathing heavy again when it's time to start running mm-hmm. uh, you you want to be fully recovering in between them yeah yeah absolutely good and then another one you have here is uh one that i actually really enjoyed the eight by 400 meters on the track uh 400 meter light jog in between so that means you're going one time around the track pretty hard i don't i think mm-hmm. in my bq thing these things were like a minute and 20 or something for me uh, which the first time you do it, that's, that would, and this was, I was a 320 marathoner probably when I started this. Um, so you can adjust, you know, one way or the other, depending on, on your speed. But like, I would do that first one in 120 or 125 and, and that would be really comfortable. And then take, take the rest. So go around the track again, lighter, and then it was do it again. And then it was do it again. And, and after five of them, it starts to get really hard to keep up that same pace and they start to wear right. on you, uh, which of course is the point, but it's just. It just feels good. It's it's a challenge to keep that pace up each time, and I I just have really fun memories of doing this very simple workout. Yeah, Matt, do you know? Uh, like, you may or may not know, but <laughs> a lot of people. I, I was always surprised about how easy it was to access tracks. Yeah, when I first started, I always running marathon. I always wonder that. Can you just go to a public high school track uh, or a state college? track mm-hmm. like are those are those the public domain yeah of course it depends on on the on the college and the 
track but mm-hmm. uh yeah and and like you know if there's a high school track workout going on you probably don't want to interfere with that but right. um yeah i mean most most tracks for with universities are open to the students and open to the public most uh high school tracks are open during certain hours usually off school hours so uh you know i think typically a high school campus is closed to the public during school hours mm-hmm. um but on off school hours it can be opened up uh and yeah i mean you always want to be courteous of the school's students, you know, if they're running in their teams, if they're doing something, even if it's, you know, a soccer practice or something like that, but they're, you know, they have their gear out on the track or something like that, you know, that's, that's their prerogative. Um, but yeah, most, most of the time you can access school tracks without any trouble. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit intimidated the first time I started going to a track because I didn't know if there were going to be certain norms that I would be violating, uh, as far as which way to run around the track or, mm-hmm. you know, the are you supposed to stay in the innermost lane? And I didn't even know that the markings are like if, you know, obviously the innermost lane is going to be shorter than the outermost lane. So so what are you, which one is the is the real thing? Um, right. And then, so, I mean, there are, there are things you can, I think there's a post on Nomad Athlete about track workouts that actually mm-hmm. I covered some of those things. Um, but I mean, it's it's really, it's just not a it's really not a formal situation. I mean, you don't want to be annoying. You don't want to be in the way of people, but they'll, yeah. they'll tell you if, if they're coming up on you. Yeah. Usually during like your recovery lap or something like that, you want to kind of move out. If there are other runners, you want to move out a couple lanes mm-hmm. um, so that someone who is doing their speed session isn't having to go around you. But you know, when you do pass, you typically pass on the right. Um, you want to, uh, yeah, you're usually running. Let's see. What is it? Counterclockwise. Counterclockwise. Yeah. Um, and there, so there might pass. be some benefit though to someday if you're the only one there going the other way. Just so yeah. Like yeah. 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 Totally. Um, and then you know it's measured if you're run if you're starting kind of in the middle of the track, and there's like a straight line. There usually is right there mm-hmm. in the middle of the track. Uh, you know, a 400 would be from the inner innermost lane at that straight line to back to the same spot. Yeah. So you mostly want to stay on the inside. Uh, Mm-hmm. trying to measure things accurately and you just you just move on around if you need to pass someone or uh but I, you know i it's been a while for me i don't remember when someone yells track behind you does that mean that they are going to pass you on the right or does that mean they want you to get out of the way that's a good question i don't know the answer to that i don't either i think i think you're supposed to get out of the way like uh yeah they're coming up faster than you yeah they're, they're trying to over. you know mm-hmm. do a time trial or something yeah, but if you know if you're walking, if you're doing that recovery period, just you know, just hang out on the outer outer edges. Yep. All right, uh, ladder workout, which is a form of of interval workout, mm-hmm. often done on a track, uh, and I like these because I don't know they're kind of just a way to mix up interval workouts. A lot of times you would do those eight by four hundreds or ten by eight hundreds or whatever, um, and it's the same thing over and over. And the point is to try to you know get them as close to the same speed as possible, et cetera. Uh, with ladder workouts, you're, you're actually increasing or decreasing the distance. Sometimes you do both. So maybe you'd start with a couple 400 meter, uh, intervals and then you increase to 800 and then 1600 and then maybe back down to eight and four. You, so you can kind of go up in distance and then back down or just do a, a bunch of, a bunch of four, a bunch of eight, a month, and then a couple 12 and 1600s at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, by increasing and decreasing the distance, you have to you have to adjust your pace, right? Like, you're not gonna if you're running each of them as hard as you can, you can't run a twelve hundred as fast as you can and a four hundred, um, and so you're having to kind of 
figure out what is an appropriate pace for those distances, which is, which is a little bit difficult and, and learn how to really adjust, uh, adjust what you're doing and, um, you know, to be able to, re- to, to not fade at the end of a mm-hmm. 800 or a 1200 when you just ran a 400. Yeah. And in that way, maybe a good, uh, a good, if you're kind of new to track workouts, a nice way to learn that skill rather quickly. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that is something that is not entirely intuitive and you will make some mistakes in the beginning and that, that'll help you get through that uh, learning curve quick. Yep. All right. Moving on to the next. Fartlicks. Fartlicks. Classic workout. S- Swedish for speed play. Mm-hmm. Everyone Classic. You must say that. You must say that every time you, you introduce it. <laughs> I know. You can't. Just, <laughs> you can't not. No. It's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah this is one i mean i know there are formal ways of doing it um but you know the old like you're out on the road and then you say hey let's let's uh go as hard as we can or, or not as, not quite as hard as we can but pretty hard till we get to that light post up there or that stop sign up there or whatever um mm-hmm. this like the hill workout i mentioned is one when i just don't feel like running at all but i want to get workouts in um this is what i will do and i'll actually have a little bit more you know formality to it and say i'm gonna go hard for a minute and then i'm gonna take two minutes slow and just do that for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or however long i feel like it and just mm-hmm. stop when i'm done and in that way it's sort of unstructured i mean yes the, those intervals themselves are structured but how many i'm gonna do in a given day always sort of depends and some days i'll feel like i'll get to the end and i'll be like you know what i can do two more and i'm gonna push myself and other days i'll just, just do the bare minimum and then stop so i i like these again i just think of it as so much better than just going out for that same run all the time um yep so i'm a big fan of these i agree and i, I kind of like somewhere in the middle where you're uh you know uh i'll say maybe i'll do two 60 to 90 second upticks over in every mile you know mm-hmm. so then i don't really have a set time in between or or anything like that or when exactly i'm going to do them but you know say i've been running for a couple of minutes within mile two and then i'll do a quick uptick take a couple minutes off do another quick uptick and that'll be my mile so so cool. I, I, the the amount of structure and lack of structure is really appealing yes but keep it playful right we need need more play in our lives and our runs definitely i think I like we have play. an episode about that we do okay the last one finally the least playful of all the runs <laughs> and the uh, most boring no way! It's my it's the best run of the week. Mm. It's it is the worst one of the week. <laughs> the long run, the long run. Yep, the long run. Uh, that's why it's why I don't run anymore. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> because I I was getting really back into running uh, last year, and then I and I was doing all these workouts that I've been talking about, and then I said, all right, I'm going to do a marathon or an ultra, and I said, yeah, I'm going to begin my long runs, and I did two of them in two straight weeks and then i said this is what i hated about running and then i then i stopped run less run faster <laughs> yeah exactly Just do one of the do one of the crossfit uh crossfit marathon training plans where you never yeah. run more than i tried that doesn't work either <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i mean i think i'm obviously i'm kidding around uh i do have some tr- some trouble with the long run and, and the boredom factor but uh, I, you know, when I was in the throes of marathon training and ultra marathon training, it, certainly you could be excited about a long run, um, especially if you have a time goal with it, which is like doesn't doesn't have to be just the really slow long run. It often should be. Most of the time, probably should be, um, and that's one of the big mistakes you can make as a beginner is trying to do long runs at something too close to your goal marathon pace or half marathon pace. 
that that's just going to you know tear you down week after week. Um, so much better to go slow for the most part. But once you start trying to actually hit a time goal, uh, I found it to be sort of interesting that you could you could uh, you know that you might have a target of thirty seconds per mile off your race pace would be your long run goal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know, and then so obviously just a straight up long run at your long run pace or a little bit of marathon pace. Uh, in there is is good and you and like you were saying you can add some workout elements to it as well with the fast finish like we talked about earlier mm-hmm. um or uh i have a couple examples on the on the blog post here one of the hardest workouts that i ever run is the one two three workout where you're doing like uh one mile easy one mile hard at tempo one mile easy two miles hard one mile easy three miles hard and you kind of like bounce back and forth and that hmm. uh it is it is a hard hard workout and when you say is... hard you're talking about uh marathon pace right yeah marathon pace yep mm-hmm. hmm. i've never so, never even heard of that workout it's a good one looks like it but it's a toughie <laughs> toughie but a goodie <laughs> <laughs> good uh yeah so that's the long run i mean again i said it's boring and i like that once i could start to sort of mix it up but i really think that is very important. And and one of the reasons I was injured for many years after beginning running and just couldn't really complete a training program without uh, getting hurt is that I was doing long runs too fast. So I mm. think I think when you're a beginner, you should not try to do it anywhere near your, near your marathon pace. Uh, be a minute or two minutes slower per mile. And, uh, you know, it, it can become, although, like I said, can be boring, Um when you're going that slowly, it's it's really not hard. And so people will hear that you ran 10 or 12 miles that day. And of course, the first few times you do it, uh, it is hard because your muscles are not used to it and your joints and things, you know, you take some adjustment. But like you, you develop this aerobic base and this ability that you can you can go at that slow, easy pace. It feels like forever. Uh, and, right. and that for me was one of the great joys of, you know, becoming a runner was that like, I, I started to just be amazed that I'd like, you know, you used to, I used to only think in terms of three or four miles would be like the most you would ever do. And then I discovered this easy pace. And I was like, wow, I could, I could probably, and this is when I was not yet a marathon. I was like, I bet I could do this for 13 or 15 miles, uh, or maybe even longer. And that, that's how you, that's how you become a marathoner. You, yeah. you, you know, find that easy pace <laughs> and you just gradually lengthen it. That's right. All right. So as we wrap up here, uh, I think we should talk about how you might structure your workout, your week. Mm-hmm. to kind of put all this all together. Okay. Um, so uh, I have an example week here of you're running five times a, w- a week. And that's, um, you know, a lot of people aren't necessarily doing that. And uh, unless you're training for something um, or just really love running. Um, but, you know, this is kind of when you would be wa- incorporating a lot of these workouts is when you are training for something, and you're trying to get faster. So uh, this is a structure with five five runs a week, Monday off, which is great because Mondays, you know, are Mondays. Yeah, right. Who wants to run on Monday? <laughs> Tuesday, you would do maybe a tempo workout or some sort, one of the kind of longer uh, or like slower speed workouts. Uh, Wednesday would be an easy run, mm-hmm. 45 minutes an hour or something like that. Thursday, track workout where you're really hammering, getting a hard day. And then you're taking Friday totally off. Uh, Saturday, your long run. And Sunday would be an easy shakeout, uh, back to easy pace for. 30, 40 minutes, something to just kind of flush, flush the legs out. Mm-hmm. Hangover run. Hangover run. <laughs> and then that's, that's your week. Yeah. Just do it again the next and week. And notice that uh, between every difficult workout there, you've got either a rest day or an easy workout. Um, 
That's right. And yeah, I mean, and, and the long run included, which, which could be an easy sort of run, easy pace run, but uh, it's not going to be an easy workout because it's long. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, super important to, to vary that up and down. And uh, yeah, I think I think that's that, you know, a, a plan like that, and you can scale it however you need to, right? You, you wrote it in their 70-minute run for your first tempo workout. Um, but, you know, if, if you're a new runner, that might, might be 20 or 30 minutes. Who knows? Um, right. But a plan like that, a structure like that, is is you know the difference to me between someone who who is making progress and someone who really isn't mm-hmm. um with some exceptions you know maybe if you're brand new or you're getting back into it maybe you will do almost all easy runs uh as you're getting started but in that case even in that case make sure they're really easy don't don't do all this moderately hard thing uh that is neither hard nor easy uh i i, I think there are a lot of people who agree that you should you could spend some time just just developing the aerobic base uh, by truly going easy at the easy conversational pace we described for a while, uh, mm-hmm. but you don't want to be doing that uh, those junk miles all the time. The junk uh, mile meaning you know not hard enough to really be a tough workout and not easy enough to really be recovery. That's right. All right. All right. And that's it. We did not do a short episode. We did not. We never do. <laughs> never. We're so bad at that. I know. <laughs> Um, but thanks everybody for listening and, uh, it was good to be talking about running again. And, yes. um, and people who have listened to all three of your episodes are coming out of the woodwork suddenly. We're yes. To hear about yeah. We've people. gotten a couple more, including our, our true professor. Including the true professor who I, when I said that no true professor would ever listen to all those episodes, but, uh, yeah, not the did. professor that was the Twitter professor, no, but not someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So keep those coming. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's I don't know. It's, sure. it's been really like, I, I gushed about this on on Slack the other day. Um, it's been really kind of inspiring to hear from from people who who have been listeners for that long or been a part of the Nomad Athlete community for that long. Uh, I don't know. That's that's touching. I like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed. You know, we never know how many listeners we have. Like like we said, you can get the stats, you can see downloads, but we don't know who actually listens. Um, I would have been surprised if we had one person say, "I've listened to all 300." And mm-hmm. I and I would have said, well, that probably means we have a thousand people who listen because I bet only about one in a thousand would actually listen. <laughs> um, so the fact that people just keep saying it means either we have a lot of listeners or we have a, a passionate fan base who likes likes it. So uh, it's it's awesome to see. Touching makes it all seem meaningful and worth it. So thank and you. And if you like it, then leave us a review on iTunes. Hey, there you go. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks and thanks, Matt. And we'll talk to you guys. All soon. right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.